Star Tribune's Prep Sports Podcast has been brought to you by France and Bank and Trust. Hello, hello again. Jim Paulson with the Star Tribune with my colleague, uh, the great David Levake, uh, for another edition of Talking Preps. Spring's edition. Dave, how are you feeling? Well, I feel good with the great because, you know, it's, it, it makes a lot of phonetic sense. You got the hard <laughs> A sound and great Levesque. I like it. Let's, let's keep that up. The, the great Levesque. Um, David, you wrote a story this week and we'll jump right into it. Um, you sound surprised. <laughs> I knew that you had something in you there. And, but uh, on football, Class 6A football, it sounds like a lot of the coaches, a lot of the teams over there are still not pleased with the format. And that uh, they were asking for, I think what the term was, a little bit of relief. It looks like maybe Class 6A football maybe uh, due for some uh, changes in terms of how things are set up, how things are uh, in terms of districts and seating and those sorts of things. Can you let us in on what's going on there? Well, a couple of quick historical items. So 6A football has existed since 2012. It was the the haven for the, excuse me, top 32 teams uh, by enrollment. Now, that's not entirely the case because Tatino Grace opted up, uh, remains opted up. Creighton Durham Hall used to opt up to 6A and, and will not this year. But otherwise, you had so anywhere from you know 29 to 30 of your biggest schools by enrollment, and then you had those successful programs that opted up. And the idea, you know, was to uh, you know give put them in that in that class, and and then give a little bit more breathing room to the lower classes, 5A on down to nine man. And um, so we started in 2012, also to make sure that it was the best way to get full schedules for full regular season schedules for teams, because we were going through phases at that time where uh, Eden Prairie was going to Canada and, and Wyzetta was going to Michigan and, and Minnetonka went to Missouri. And, and uh, in some cases they were paying teams to, to play them to, to get games. And so there was uh, there was some legislative influence that said, we can't do it this way anymore. And so district football was created. And it's a kind of a showcase for those top 32 teams. But you asked at the beginning, you know, our coaches, are they, are they not satisfied? My, my, my comeback to that, Jim, you've been around this since it started. I don't think coaches have ever truly been satisfied with 6A in, in one shape or form or another. You know, let's, let's make it clear to anyone that's listening that football, more than any other sport, is a sport that depends on numbers, which is why we have seven classes of football. You know, it, it, you you need to have that many classes to differentiate to, to make things equitable for teams because numbers is such a huge part of a football game in terms of having players that can go both ways in terms of having depth in terms of having quality depth. That's why this is necessary. But you're absolutely right. Um, six A football. There's always been some amount of um, whining and complaining that go on behind the scenes and how things are set up. I've never really understood why, because you don't really hear that much from the other classes. But yeah, there's there's always been a little dissatisfaction among class six A football programs and coaches. Well, and let's let's get into a little bit more of what what does work well. So we said one of the the impetuses for creating six A was to guarantee full eight game regular season schedules for those programs. That has happened every year since 2012, and that's a good thing. All right, so we like that. Uh, the state tournament, we don't get into a situation as we do in every other sport 
where you might have the number one ranked team playing the number three ranked team in the section finals. And only one of those great programs can go to state. Meanwhile, another section is sending, you know, at best the team that barely breaks into the top 20. So what you're getting with, with the format of six A is you're getting uh, you know, you, your number one seeds get put into different quadrants of the bracket. And we do play down to a champion that we can all agree on is the champion because they had to go through a very tough schedule. They didn't just get the benefit of ducking somebody because they're in a different section. So that's a good thing. We like that. Um, but where we have been stuck all, all throughout this process is the seeding of the postseason because you've got teams all along who have come out of uh, different sub-districts where the competition might not be the greatest. And so they build a, a good record. And then they have to seed against a team who played a, a real dogfight of a schedule who may have a more pedestrian record. And so who do you give, you know, how does, who gets priority? Who gets the better seed in that situation? And what I, I knew seeding meetings could be, I've heard stories about throwing papers and raised voices, but I, I didn't realize, you know, when they use terms like contentious and bloody, and we're not talking about literal blood, by the way, uh, mm. but, but just, you know, and, and then as I put in the story, the, the willful uh, ignoring that of strength of schedule, if, if it means that I can lobby in politic for my team, because it means I get a home playoff game for the first time in three years. So um, that's the, the seeding and the ability to seed and, and play like opponents uh, and have that, that remains a sticking point in all this. So uh, there's a lot the 6A has done right and continues to do right and that coaches like, but this seeding thing, which has now been exacerbated by the format that we're going to be playing under the next two years in the Metro, which is a gold and maroon district. The gold district is, you can't even argue, uh, they are by far the, the power district here with those 16 teams. And then the 14 maroon teams are all, even if they come from, from good, solid communities and, and have resources, they're not translating into a lot of wins and a lot of deep playoff runs. Uh, so you've got, uh, you've got a pretty lopsided situation. Um, and, and so now you're going to have maroon teams that are playing, you know, at least six of their games in their own, you know, sort of subpar district. And then you're going to eventually have to seed with the gold teams who have been beating each other up. And so they're like, so the coaches are saying, we've already had problems seeding for postseason. It's only gotten worse by the disparity of these two districts. How did they come up with these, uh, with these gold and maroon divisions and who was tasked with uh, differentiating these teams? You look at, I'm, I'm giving some of the names and some of these teams in the gold you have um, Eden Prairie and St. Michael Albertville and Minnetonka and Maple Grove and Tino Grace and Wyzetta, Lakeville North, Rosemount, Prior Lake, Lakeville South, a lot of those teams that were used to being perennial powers and over in the maroon uh, district, you've got you know, teams that are still struggling to, you know, develop um, sound successful programs over the years, the Roseville and the Nokas and Forest Lakes and Eastviews and Egan's, as well as a few teams that have been pretty good over the past few years. Mountsview, I'd say um, belongs up there. Osseo, Eastridge, Woodbury. Those are teams that have been pretty good, but for the most part, um, it, it's, there's definitely a line of demarcation between the two districts. Who was tasked with coming up with those and, and how was that done? Do you know? So this, this, so all of this is under the high school league's umbrella, of course, but they appointed a 10 person district football placement committee and they took feedback from schools after last year about 
you know, what did you think of the football experience? And there were, depending on who you ask, anywhere from maybe eight to 10 to maybe as many as a dozen teams that, that said that they would like relief, that they didn't feel that playing a, a really tough schedule and, and, and having to punch above their weight over and over and over again was allowing them to uh, build a successful program. Um, but wasn't that the entire impetus between one of the uh, main reasons for creating another class is that uh, you bring the top teams together and, you know, the teams in 5A, for example, they get a little relief from teams that they just cannot compete against. How far do we take this? Well, and that's the question I asked, you know, is there such thing as too much relief? And the, the answer is yes. Yes, there is such thing as too much relief. That's the, the unintended consequence of trying to give everybody a competitive eight-game regular season schedule. Because the reality is, Jim, as you know, um, the bulk of the teams in high school football, their regular season is what it's all about. Because they may only win a playoff game and then lose in the next round. So the, the vast majority of the kids' experiences are, are the regular season and the district placement committee is trying to ensure that you can have as equitable a regular season experience as possible. And because it's a chosen few that move on to, uh, to do playoff runs. In fact, we have a, uh, within that story, uh, we looked at um, six of the 30 schools uh, account for more than half of the state tournament appearances. So, and this is going back, this is between a period of 2012 and 2019. We didn't count last year, 2020, because it was an oddball year for, for many reasons. Uh, so you have the same old, you know, guard at the top. And so they're going to get theirs. What do you do with the other programs that, that, uh, you know, the regular season is what it's all about. So I understand that argument, um, and that, that being their the district football committee's goal, but it, 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 it's, it's tough because you, 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 you run the risk of, of what we have, you know, did we, did we create too much relief in some cases? And uh, that's sort of philosophical debate that exists. So to, to finish answering your question, you have the district football placement committee. They, uh, they put the plans together and then they make that recommendation to the, uh, uh, activities director advisory committee and then there's some tweaking that happens there and then it goes on to the state high school league executive committee for approval that's uh, that's how we got to where it is so people this is not a minnesota football coaches association baby uh in fact they were kind of the last to know and this is where the uh the reasons for this article popped up i start getting texts and emails from coaches saying what is this where did this come from why does it look like this? How did we get here? They're, they're trying to get their arms around the same question. So it, it uh, I, I hope if nothing else, hopefully the article explained a little bit better of, of how we got here. Tell me a little bit about how it's going to work. I mean, if you've got, if you've got two districts that basically can come up to, to use your term, the haves and the trying to haves, um, as opposed to haves and have nots, how, how do we use these districts to make our scheduling more equitable and to make seating uh, more um fair as we move forward well and I, I use that trying to have term because one of the schools in maroon is, is stillwater that's where my daughter's headed i've been i, I see the uh you know they're not hurting over there <laughs> this is not a have not situation in Stillwater. No, it's it just not. hasn't translated as well as they would have liked to football success and you know maybe that's coming uh bola and his staff uh you know we'll get kind of get that going and 
pick. They were the number one tournament seed last year in 2020. So there's certainly potential there. Um, And and so you said, how will it work? So, you know, gold teams, for example, uh, well, either team, either, either uh, maroon and gold, they'll play six of their fellow district teams, whether they're maroon or gold, and they'll stay within that. And then they'll cross over twice to the other color. Uh, so a gold team, so Eden Prairie, you know, six games against the gold, you know, could be Wyzetta, could be Minnetonka, could be Prior Lake, and then they'll able to cross over uh, to play two uh, maroon teams. And that is chosen by random draw. Um, and so I know, I think uh, Wyzetta, for example, plays Roseville is one of their crossover games. Now you probably wouldn't schedule that game based on uh, ex- uh, success level the last few years, but that's one of the random crossovers that were selected. And, um, and that, does that answer your question? Is that that's how, how that'll work? Yeah. You know, I, I'm still, still isn't clear to me on how exactly this is going to um, give teams relief in, uh, in terms of the seating uh, part of it. it. seems to me if you've got, you know, what was the term you like to use? Iron sharpens iron. That's something that's yeah. popular within the uh, football community yeah. that you, you get better by playing the best. If you're in um, the, the gold division, you've got two things. Number one, you've got a possibility of, of uh, a few more losses and less gaudy record because you're playing six games against other teams at your level. Um, but also, it makes you a better team. It is, if you're a maroon team and you go and you play six games in the maroon and you win all six and then you maybe have a one-on-one a one record uh, against the, the gold division, are you a really a seven and one team or are you as good as your record says that that couldn't that skew seating as well? My point is, I, I don't think it's really, so, it doesn't seem to be solving anything to me. Certainly not when it comes to being able to seed appropriately, it doesn't, doesn't help there. And that's kind of the whole point of what the coach's concerns are. It, it makes that process even tougher. Um, what it does. I mean, it, it, the relief comes in, I guess the regular season uh, and, and who you see and who you don't, uh, you know, this will be a, an opportunity for uh, some teams to uh, play a schedule that um, and I'm struggling here a little bit. Cause I'd like to pull up an example of last year, just to kind of give an ex- uh, personify. Um, we mentioned why Zeta is playing Roseville. Um, like to, I know that uh, Prior Lake had a tough schedule last year, for example. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They, they, they've Those are teams had in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. That uh, Prior Lake might be the poster child for the program that you know is always played a, a competitive schedule and, and maybe still struggles to to seed against teams that didn't. Um, yeah, they always a very talented down. team. You know, yeah, capable yeah, team. Absolutely. Maybe, maybe. You know, gets gets um constantly um get beat up by playing such a difficult schedule that they have all year. I mean, look at last year; they had Prior Lake, had Wyzetta, they had Saint Michael, they had Eden Prairie, they had Saint, uh, uh, Lakeville South, um, and they had Lakeville South, Saint Michael, Alberville, and Eden Prairie all in a row. So I can see where 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 you can feel like your team is constantly getting a. a put upon and under duress if you're constantly playing that tough schedule uh it, it almost seems to me in a situation and this is just my my opinion is you take the two divisions divide them up according to strength of schedule or the, the relative strength of the team 
and then for, for his teams to play four teams from each side. I mean, that would seem to be equitable. You're getting four teams from the Maroon Division, where it might be a little bit of relief from constantly playing the good teams, and four teams from the uh, four opponents from the Gold Division, where you're going to get tested. I, I just can't see what what this is going to really accomplish, particularly for Maroon teams, in terms of what they're uh, uh, what they're hoping to uh, achieve in terms of state tournament success. Well, that, that is that is the question because the you're not going to it's going to be hard to get there from here if you're not playing some of those tougher teams more often. But you know, I, I give uh, an example. So we'll stick with Roseville. They were zero and nine actually in 2019. Um, you know, they had to play Eden Prairie, Creighton Durham Hall, who Creighton Durham Hall is now a five A program, so they're out. Um, Blaine, um, you know, Mounds View. These these are teams that. Um, that were more their area uh, with the exception of Eden Prairie. Uh, but now they won't have to see Mounds View. They, they don't have to, to see Blaine. And so theoretically they could have, you know, two games, they get a fewer games where they're feel like they're in over their head and uh, could, you know, end up having a couple of wins and making feel people feel better about wanting to be a Roseville football player. So a lot of this seems to stem from what you had said from the outset is that it's about regular season, having some sort of regular season success, not have, having a, a program that doesn't go with three victories in three years, which you've seen some programs do. And maybe it's evening out the, schedule, the, the competition. seems that if you're in the, the gold side of things, you're on the opposite side of the coin. You could very easily go out and have a, a, a sub-500 regular season and still be – uh, have some success when you get to the state tournament simply because of the competition you play. Yeah, you'll see teams that are making deeper runs that have schedules that don't exactly make you stand up and take notice. That, that, that's, I think you're going to see that. Um, the, uh, you know, but the, the, the counterpoint, Phil Kemmel of Park Cottage Grove, I thought he, you know, illustrated it very well. He, his belief he said, we can build our program playing eight competitive games and one or two games against powerhouse teams uh, versus the other way around. Um, so they, you know, they, uh, you know, he thinks you can get there from here, uh, you know, get, get some momentum going, get your kids uh, you know, winning makes things a lot easier. I'm sure the Roseville kids from 2019 never quit, but let's face it. It's easier to show up to practice Monday coming off a win Friday, you know, and they didn't have that luxury. And so, but, but Phil uh, with Cottage Grove, he says, yeah, you could, you could get there. And, and it's just, uh, you know, and that, that was a program that was 5A for the last few years and, and that appealed to try to stay in 5A. Peel was denied. And so they're, they're taking the philosophy of, you know, we, you know, we can still build something by, by gaining some momentum in the Maroon District um, versus the gold where we, where we would struggle. Is this inequity an issue in the other classes, do you think? Why is this um, such a, de- a big deal for the, the top schools, six A schools, when you don't necessarily hear these same sorts of complaints, at least not nearly as loudly, coming from the other classes? There's clearly some teams in the other classes that have been dominant over the years, and some teams in the other classes that that have had trouble competing. Why is this a six A issue? I don't know if it's a combination of the 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 standard guard at the top that we mentioned earlier, the the statistics of how how few teams you know, gobble up how much of the success. If it's the thought that, Hey, this is the smallest class in any sport that the high school league offers. Uh, we should be able to get this thing to perfect. And so they keep tweaking, they keep making adjustments. 
to try to, uh, to obtain perfection, uh, which of course is you'll never catch. But um, you, you know, there's a lot of high-profile programs that, that you know care very deeply and are very passionate about about how their programs, you know, how, how the, about their success. And so, all of those things factor in and then i don't know maybe it's because they're all metro and and you feel like we, we have a pretty good gauge we we feel like we know each other much better than than could a saint thomas know a moorhead in 5a you know because there's a, a giant geographical divide and you, you won't play them so who, who's to say who deserves what in that situation you don't have that in 6a um you know, you're going from St. Michael to, to Lakeville, and that's about the farthest, so as far as it goes. And so they feel like, by God, we should be able to tweak this and, and make it as close to perfect. What, is the, what are the uh, responses from coaches that you're hearing? Well, they're frustrated about, you know, what is, how do we, how do we see, how is it going to, it's all about how do we see this thing face to face? Because there isn't, Again, there isn't there isn't a lot of a lot of honor and, and respect paid to the strength of schedule. It's it's here's where we finished, and and uh, so coaches, you know, they're they're frustrated because this is going to make that process more difficult. Um, some coaches are just kind of flabbergasted, you know, that they can't imagine being uh, in a situation where they're not welcoming all the best teams that they can and playing them and challenging themselves against them. Uh, Shakopee has been in that situation for years and took their lumps as much as anybody, you know, um, but uh, you know, that they don't understand. So they don't, they can't quite relate to the, the plight of the perceived plight to some of these other programs. Cause they've, they've taken the long road and taken some lumps, but it's made them better. So, you know, there, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of confusion, a lot of frustration and a lot of, you know, thank, you know, you know, we, we've muddied the seeding waters even more for us. Th thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, do you think that we've heard the, is this, is this a done deal? I mean, you said it still has to, it's gone to. Uh, oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, this is where it's going to be. Yeah. This is, so yes, the high school league is going to schedule. approve this. Oh yeah. The, well, the executive committee already has the board. Yes. The board will technically take action on it on uh, June, the June 1st meeting, but this is a done deal. And you're already seeing teams now, their social media accounts, which by the way, they're getting really sophisticated. They got logos and things when, when they announce a schedule, it's not just, you know, you know, shortening teams names to fit into 250 characters. They got beautiful graphics with logos. So that, that information's already out there. People if you don't know the logo of a team, you're lost. That, oh, it's true. And people, <laughs> some people have accepted where it's going to be. And they're just, you know, they just want to get out and play. They, you know, hey, we're, we're coming off a of fall where, you know, we had shortened seasons and we didn't know if we were going to have a season. And I think that, you know, I always joked when I was done talking to these coaches or administrators, I'd say, hey, you know what, you know, Jim, for example, think of it this way. We didn't talk once about masks, <laughs> and they laugh, but it's true. You know, I mean, yeah, we're a little frustrated about the schedule, whatever. But hey, at least we're not talking about the same problems we were this time last year. So that's that's progress. Do you think this is going to just be uh, much ado about nothing when we get down to the nitty gritty of actually playing playing the schedule? This is going to be something that we we're talking about now, but it's going to be forgotten about once we get into the heat of the season. Well, I think I'm not going to well, – I think the regular season is the regular season, but I, I'm certainly going to take the temperature of coaches at seeding time and say, okay, so how how good or how bad was it? You know, who, what was what was this, what were the sticking points? Were they as 
Was it as contentious as it's historically been? Um, was there actual bloodshed? You know, <laughs> I mean, let's let's take it up a notch. You know, if we got, if, you know, but no, but uh, I. So I'm I'm curious to know that. But yeah, I, but now you're getting into things that you know the, the 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 care factor starts to go less and less in a universal sense because most people they have tunnel vision where's my kids program headed is this feel right for us and and you know that that's that's going to be more the concern rather than football at large so yeah we'll we'll ask about it at playoff time but uh but otherwise yeah they're just let's get out there and, and let's sort out who's who on the field as best we can yeah yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how it how it plays out to kind of see where teams stand by the end of the regular season, how it has uh, affected it. If teams are the teams that are looking for relief have gotten said relief, and if yeah. the uh, gold teams um, have been busy beating each other up, um, well, that, that's those are the two things I'll be looking for. It may not yeah. make it yeah. once you get down to the state tournament. It, it's a play down, a true right. state tournament. Um, yes. The team, you're going to be standing at the end, um, no matter what your record is. And if you're not, if you're a pretender, that's going to be that's going to show up in the state tournament. So, yeah, uh, okay. that's that's really not going to make things much of a difference uh, in the grand scheme of things. That's for sure. Somebody's calling you to tell you your point is off, is aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what, Jim? Let me tell you what I really think. <laughs> I didn't know we had a live broadcast, but maybe we do. I don't know. Well, you know, so at least at least it's fun to talk a little football at this time of year. I, mean, I don't think we got enough time to really talk about the football season last year with the season coming to such a uh, uh, sad, pathetic little end where nobody really got a chance to determine anything. I mean, it was all the much ado about finally getting football back, and then it kind of fizzled out. It's nice to have a chance to talk a little football again. Um, spring sports, hey, we're getting close, man. We're getting close to the uh, end of the regular season. You've got some sports, like tennis, for example, will be starting their section tournaments uh, the week of, uh, um, and I think some have actually started early rounds uh, the week of May uh, 20, uh, 24th coming up here pretty soon. And it won't be long before we will be in uh, uh, section tournaments and then playing down to one hugely busy week of state tournaments. I think we're virtually everything going to be going on during the week of uh, third week in May. And May or, or June, excuse me. June, yeah, yeah. Uh, June fourteenth and fifteenth. So, uh, it's it's coming to a head quickly. Well, and I, I, I this doesn't go for maybe every portion of the state in every single sport, but uh, my daughter, as I've mentioned, that she's playing uh, predominantly the JV team with Stillwater Golf this spring, and one of her her assistant coach, who's been around a long, long time, he made a comment the other day. He said, "You know, we really haven't." had to cancel a, a golf match yet it's you know we've we played maybe through a little drizzle at times but we haven't had to cancel which is great he says normally that's that's there's always a cancellation so what i'm getting at is i think that the spring sports who did not have a 2020 season in any shape or form it, i think they've had a fairly forgiving 2021 spring as far as the weather goes and thank god for that because they, if anybody was due for a break it was the spring sports kids yeah, no kidding. Um, a little bit of rain coming here in the forecast, which I don't mind. And uh, uh, we're already into May, just into May, and we're already getting dry grass, so it's it's good to see a little rain on the horizon. But you're right that the, the weather has been pretty decent, and spring sports teams have had a chance to get out and do what they missed so uh, um, so much last year. So it's it's good to see that spring sports have gone along pretty progressively this this spring. 
Um, anything else on, that, that you think we need to discuss or, or should we wind it up right about now, David, you let me know. Uh, my notebook has uh, been, been, uh, you know, emptied. We're, we're good. We'll, we'll say, we'll, we'll leave them wanting more for next week. <laughs> now he's got to find more to make sure they want. <laughs> it, that is the challenge. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you being here on uh, Talking Preps. We'll talk to you next week.